Welcome back, everyone, to another Slab Stocks YouTube live show. My name is Aaron, your host, and joined by Nate, my co-host. And we are going in for another live stream today. More topics. Today, we are talking about when is the right time to sell your sports cards. Now, the thumbnail says the best time to sell sports cards. But that's what my first thought was. But the more I thought about it, the more I started to put together the pieces that there really isn't a best time. You know, like one day you could say, oh, I want to sell this and take some profit. But then you already know a year from now it will be more in value. Mm -hmm. um, so the best time really isn't a thing. It's more about when's the right time because really you kind of have to sell if you're not in the position that you can hold everything for forever. And not many people are. So you got to figure out what, what do you want to sell when. And we're going to go through some examples of in the past people holding on to things they probably shouldn't have, like myself with Orlando Garcia. We won't Ooh. talk through that, but uh, no, let's <laughs> well, talk maybe it. we will get into some let's of that. Let's talk through but... it because I think there's a good – I think there's good – learning exercise in there yeah no I, I agree how about this let's go through the examples that we have and then we'll talk about personal experience after that okay okay all right everyone what's up what's up kevin what's up tatas and brewskis what's up jordan <laughs> hudson what's up oscar what's up tao hong what's up op the rapper bro i'm just reading off the screen whatever it says we're going for it <laughs> that happened to me one other time too all right here we go gotta give the people some laughs right all right. The best time to sell or the right time to sell. So if y'all are watching the market right now, these three dudes have been in the news a lot. Zion Williamson, he has been playing fantastic basketball right now. Absolutely just dynamite efficiency mixed with points and affecting the, the, the game. And also his prices have kind of suppressed since the beginning of the year on some cards. Some other cards have went up a lot. The really high-end rare stuff is definitely gaining value. But like the silver PSA 10, there's a 1,000 in the pop report. That's dropped 18% since the beginning of the year. Now, on the other hand, Erling Holland has been just going crazy. And he's not only scoring goals and playing really well, but his card market's doubled really in the last two months or month and a half. Fernando Tatis's card market has over doubled since December. They're is lots of happenings for these young players right now. And a lot of you are probably sitting here thinking, when should I sell these players? Or players like this. It's not just these three. It's not just the Ronald Acunas and Juan Sotos. There's other guys like that too. But just keep in mind as we talk about this and as we get your discussion on it too. So comment in the chat what you all think about these players and what to do with them or what you did. Um, we're just going to talk through some examples and just go through some theories on, on what we see in the market and everything. But first things first, early Holland, February 21st, a little under a month or a little over a month ago, a month and a week. His Sapphire PSA 10 was $2,044. Most recent buy it now went for $4,900. Some auctions around $45 to $5,000, I think. And uh, there's definitely a lot of action going on right here with Holland. And you're probably sitting here thinking like, man, the guy is going to be one of the best Champions League goal scorers of all time. Should I hold it? Should I sell it? Well, a lot of what you should do is based on how what you bought it at. You know, honestly, like if you bought for two thousand, who wouldn't take twenty five hundred, twenty seven hundred dollar profit in a month and a week, and then buy something else? You know, like you can definitely take that money and even buy a lower end Holland card and then go buy some other stuff. And there's always different angles that you can get into. So it really just depends on what you like in the market. Now, if we look, at, we look at Tatis, Nate spent a lot of time looking at Tatis cards recently. So you can talk about this one, but obviously since the beginning of the year, like huge explosion. I mean, for starters, it's a little bit, it's a little bit like, look, he just signed a contract in San Diego. So you know he's going to be in San Diego for 14 years, right? So that has somewhat to do with it. But still, we're talking about a guy with less than a year's worth of games played in his entire career. So if I bought this card for a little under $4,000 on January 2nd, and I'm selling it for 8,000 on March 9th, I'm taking that all day long. I think, I think Tatis could go down as one of the best players in history. As long as he stays healthy. Um, he, he is just so exciting at a lot of different things. And he has a lot of flair about him, which is helpful for people. Even if his numbers don't stack up, people are going to remember his flair, right? Um, so that's helpful in the card community. That being said, huge risk here still. $8,000 for a guy that's played 143 games. 
Um, we've right. seen guys before that looked like surefire guys that uh, kind of stagnated a little bit. Um, didn't really get better. Still good, but didn't get any better. And so if I'm securing $4,000, I'm going to do that. And I will go buy a lesser Fernando Tatis, maybe a Topps uh, Series 2 Gold. And uh, hold on to that for a while with the profits. Right. I, I agree with that. What up, Aaron and Nate? What's up, Henry? So Tatis, another one of those guys that you're probably thinking, what do I do? Do I sell it? Do I hold it? What do I do? Well, let's look here. This is Aaron Judge. So this is going to be a little confusing for some of you who might not have been in the car market for a long time. But in 2017, his 2013 Bowman Chrome Auto this keep in mind, this is like right as he's playing as a rookie, hitting all those home runs. It peaked around 1500 bucks during the middle of the summer. And a lot of people are probably asking themselves at the time, should I sell it? Should I hold it? You know, judging that rookie season, I think a lot of people were like, oh, if he keeps us up, next great Yankee player of all time, right? And he did not keep it up. He actually went through a slump through the end of the year, and his stuff did drop accordingly. Um, after this July sale of fifteen hundred, I think it went down back to like seven fifty. Um, well, the sale on the right is the most recent sale, March twenty fourth for two thousand twenty five dollars. Now, yes, it's more than it was in twenty seventeen, but that was four years ago. Think of how much growth the car market has went through, not only in the past three months, six months, nine months, but the last four years. I mean, to put this in perspective. Uh, uh, Spencer Torkelson Orange just went for eleven thousand dollars, and he hasn't played a single game in the minors. Right. So and if this, you think that obviously isn't an orange, but it was a guy at the top, tip top of the market back four years ago. Yeah, but here's like literally, you could have put that fifteen hundred bucks into something else in twenty seventeen, and you would. You, I swear you would have like a hundred thousand dollar cart potentially right now. There's stuff that if you bought in February 2019 for a thousand dollars is like 25k now. So you know you're looking at potentially 50k yeah. with that 1500. I mean, how much? How much was a Mike Trout tops update back then? I don't know, 200 bucks, 100 bucks. PSA 10, you know, five five thousand yeah. dollars now all day you, long. You could have gotten like more. ten to fifteen of them. Yeah. So Kobe stuff back then, you know? Exactly. I mean, you could have had a Kobe PSA 10 rookie for like probably a hundred bucks also, <laughs> you know, like 200 bucks or something like crazy, just crazy stuff. So keep in mind, like we bring this up because if you have Tatis right now, I know that Tatis and Judge, Tatis is younger at the time as a rookie and even as a third year now, like way younger, shortstop, all that stuff. But still, there's still a risk factor there that he gets hurt two seasons in a row and some of that luster fades rather quickly. You know, I think that's what Nate was talking about with the when he's talking through that Tatis sale. So moving on, now Wait, we have a guy. Second, second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this up real quick. Batters and pitchers always have to adjust and readjust. Some can't wait before you buy somebody in baseball to see if they can make that adjustment. And that is true. You'll find guys um, that – Kill one pitch one year, and uh, pitchers adjust to their uh, zones, and then the batter has to readjust to that. Um, and if they can't, they end up struggling. Um, we'll see it with Keston Hero, right? He dominated his first year. He struggled mightily uh, last year. We'll see if he can adjust to uh, fastballs up in the zone this year. Um, but the one thing about that is that if you have to wait, if you're waiting for somebody to, uh, you know, dominate and then adjust after they've been found out a little bit you're going to be paying a absolute premium premium on some of these guys whereas you wouldn't if you just bought in originally right so the next guy cody ballinger on the left is a sale for a 9.5 for 906 now that thing was 0.5 from pristine so one of the top is the top 9.5 grid you can get but they were going around 800 to 900 the nine fives, August 2nd, 2019. Yesterday, one sold for a thousand dollars. Like you could have, like everyone, you know, Bellinger, that when he finally hit that bounce back, amazing. You know, you, you're barely making money. And you're actually, if you sell on eBay for a thousand dollars, you're breaking even right now after fees. And you're probably actually losing like 30 bucks with PayPal fees and everything. So, 
another guy that you got to sometimes think about, even if you think that they might be an, every, an all-star every year, if you think that they might go and win a World Series, you still have to think about selling and taking profit because only that luster only lasts so long for some people. And I can probably guarantee that it isn't going to last for every single player we think might be good. Tatis, Acuna, and Soto, Nate just had that huge debate. Well, all three are amazing. By the odds, one of them is going to end up being Cody Bellinger, Aaron Judge. Yep. One of them. And, and Cody be. Bellinger is really good. They won a. The they won a. They won an MVP. Won a World Series last year, and yet you're still looking at a thousand dollars for BGS nine five. And when I say he becomes Cody Bellinger, I mean he becomes Cody Bellinger the card market. You know, yeah. like they just aren't as sought after. So you really, really, really need to, especially if you're in a position that like. You can't buy new cards unless you're selling cards because there's a lot of people like that. I know some people like to look at all the high dollar sales and say, oh, these guys got so much money. You know, they'll just buy that up and it's just another thing in their house type of thing. You know, for a lot of people in this market, if you're not selling stuff, you're not buying stuff. Not everyone just has that disposable income to throw at it. So like you really do need to think like, hey, if I just bought that Bellinger for $300, $500 before the season in 2019 and I can sell at 900 I might as well do it. You know, take that profit, go buy something else. Maybe it's a couple non-graded cards you can then grade and make even more margin on. Maybe it's a couple graded that you can flip. Um, I guess the point here as we walk through more of this is just always keep in mind, like, what do you have to do to keep it going? Um, well, question, just a, something that popped into my head. You think it's weird that I feel like Dodger players, no matter how good they are, are undervalued? There's just too many of them, right? There's just too many of them. Cody Bellinger, undervalued. Corey Seager, undervalued. All extremely good. All could be, uh, depending on the year, you could make the argument that they're the best player on the team. Obviously, Mookie Betts, uh, historically, is the best player on the team. But it wouldn't shock me if you look up at the end of the year and uh, Cody Bellinger or um, Corey Seager have more wins above replacement than uh, Mookie at the end of the year. Um, it, it's a tough it's a tough ask. They'd have to be like eight, nine-win players probably. But still, it wouldn't shock me. And is it, I bring it up a lot, is that, you know, you have your one star and then your secondary stars are undervalued. If your one star is really good, like Trey Turner is extremely good, but because Juan Soto's there, nobody really cares about Trey Turner, right? Um, is this a point where you've got three, like, MVP quality guys so that the money for the fan base gets spread around and people outside of LA don't really care? Well, let's think about it too, like, Soto winning that World Series does more for his for his card prices than one of these fellows winning. Seager or Bellinger or Betts. I believe. I don't yeah. know. You're probably in agreement with that, right? I'm I'm in agreement with that. Yeah. It's just it's just it's wild to me because like from the outside looking in, if if those I mean you have Mookie Betts on the Red Sox, right? And his prices still weren't very high. But if Corey Seager or Cody Bellinger were on a different team. Uh, it's say one of them was on the Giants and they didn't have anybody good except for that one guy, Corey Seager or Cody Bellinger. I feel like both their prices would be higher. Awesome. I agree. I totally agree. All right, let's move on, on to a soccer example here. And this is not necessarily tied to performance at all. It's actually not tied to performance at all. So these messy prison based 2014 PSA 10s were like $75 uh, April of 2020, 75 bucks. Come August, these things are 3,500 to 4,000 topping out as a prison-based PSA 10 one is a pop of like 90 to 100. Of course, PSA gets flooded with 2014 base, not a 100 pop set by any means for a base card. Now, it is hard to grade this card. I will 100% say that. Like, this is not an easy card to grade. And the pop report's going to reflect it for years to come. The gem rate's going to be very low. And that's why these base cards are really going to command good value. Some people from the basketball side of the world might say 880 for a veteran PSA 10 base. That's stupid. But honestly, like these cards are really hard to grade. Breakers threw these things in the boxes. Some of them threw in the trash. Like the edges were chipped. Like these were like worth like nickels back in 2014, these base cards. I mean, silvers were worth probably like 20 bucks of Messi in 2014. So, and those things are, you know, thousands now. So this card is actually very hard to grade. Now, it's not so hard to grade that there's only 100 PSA 10s out there, which is why that run-up happened. And whenever a set's undergraded, gets graded a ton when these cards go up in value, more pops going to come. You know, the, the curve for the PSA 10s just goes like this, and then it flans out. Um, that's kind of like what we saw. You know, it went from 
75 to 4,000 down to 400 in December. But if you read, if you read the market and you're like, okay, this car dipped a ton. Let me buy in hard at 400. You'd be sitting really well right now. These went up to like 1,100 maybe at their height, like last, like three weeks ago. I mean, now it's around 900 for the card, but like sometimes you just got to understand when's a good buying period and when's a good selling period. Honestly, as much as the card market definitely has to do with like, hey, you got to know sports. Like, yeah, I know which players you want to buy. Reading demand goes way further, in my opinion, honestly. Like, I think that like I'm not really a genius at any sport. Like, basketball is my main thing. I played all through high school. I played a year in college. I played a lot of basketball. I understand basketball well. But by no means do I know like the NBA like is even close to anything like Sam does or even probably as much as Nate does because I don't have the time to watch it as much as maybe well, not Nate right now, but other people do. And <laughs> I forgot that your schedule changed a lot. Um, so reading demand has done a, a ton for myself in the space. You just got to understand where's the demand going? Where's it leaving? That's really what matters a lot. I think that the pop on the messy PSA 10 is around a thousand now. I'm probably a thousand base PSA tens, but still compare that to 2019 LeBron prism. That's mini. Yeah. And then the gem rate is super small compared to that card. So, so back in the day when PSA grading was $8 a card would have been worth sending in these cards and just being like, Hey, maybe one day when this, if this pops off, I'm good to go. Now that it's 25 bucks, significantly harder to send in like a, uh, I don't know. Monte Harrison gold foil and be like, Hey, if he pops off, maybe I'll be rich. Yeah, ex exactly. Like, like I probably just threw away $25 if he doesn't. Not only that, but you need to invest the 25 bucks the the year of time too, you yeah. know, cause if he does pop off in that time, you can't sell it. Correct. Correct. So you, you really need to be confident in that approach. All right. Here's another player that if you didn't take profit when it was there you know, you'd be hurting right now. Down 2000 bucks on Jason Tame Silver PSA 10 when in August during the bubble. Uh, these then corrected back to maybe around 3000 3, $2,500, $3,000 in October, November. Then they went back up to like 4000 Now they're back down to 2500 So that's not to say that like this card's bad. I'm not sitting here saying this card's bad. I'm just saying, hey, it dropped from its peak. If you would have sat there and said, oh, I can always get more. You know, you'd be out that extra profit for the time being. Now, I also want to address one more thing when we talk about this card is if you bought Tatum Silver PSA 10 for $200 and it goes up to $4,500 and it then drops down to $2,500, you do not lose $2,000 because you didn't sell at $4,500. You should be happy selling at $2,500 still if you bought for $200. You know, like you just missed the peak. Let's be real. No one can predict the peak. If you hit a peak sale price, within like a six to eight month, nine month, 12 month window, you were just lucky. You, you had an auction ending at the right time. You had someone come in and offer at the right time where the player is super hyped. Yeah, usually, no one can convince you that you can read You just peak. happen to sell the thing on the exact same week that that player, or you know, your sale is ending on the exact same Sunday that that dude just hit three home runs or scored three goals or went for 50, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, like you got you to understand when when are you selling and what kevin says is if you five times your money it's an auto sell for for real i mean a lot of people need to be happy with that now there's a lot of times if you sold that 5x you missed out on the 20x but if you are a card enthusiast and you know what you're doing you probably took that 5x and you turned it into another card that grew just as much in that time or more i mean that's why i found a lot of the times i was selling some stuff that i was like dang you know this is gonna be really good but i made a lot of profit on it Whatever I went to next worked out just as much or better, especially with the soccer in 2019 worked out way better. So I, and I was thrilled to sell my Lucas Silver PSA 9 for $200. When I took that 200 and I bought who knows how much Mbappe for 200 bucks. You know, like that's, that's really what matters. You just got to be, you got to be smart with it. you. Always got to be changing that money if, if that's what you're into. Now there's some people, I think Henry said earlier, I have, I bought cards for last year. I haven't sold a single thing. Now, that, Henry's a case that that's not like the majority of the market. Not everyone can just buy, buy, buy for a year and not sell anything. You know, you'd run out of money and you probably would be eating Kraft mac and cheese or actually Roundy's mac and cheese or something that's like 50 cents because you can't afford the Kraft a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is actually, I, I, I love the Kroger mac and cheese. What? Dude, mac and cheese is the one, one of the one, few things in the world where you cannot go off brand. 
Yes, you can. Dude, no. the spirals at Kroger for 50 cents? No, dude, Kroger stuff is legit. Kroger at Pick and Save, I get the, Kro the Kroger Cocoa Pebbles, the Kroger Honey Nut Cheerios, which are like toasted oats or something. Dude, they got good stuff. I will always buy. No, I, I, like I, I understand. I, I've gotten plenty of Kroger stuff. Have you tried their? This is way off subject, so I'm sorry, guys. But have you tried their tortilla chips? No, terrible. Really? Oh yeah. Have you tried their? Have you tried their jalapeno chips? Better than Lay's. My roommate works for Lay Free to Lay, but I'm sorry, Kroger jalapeno chips, a dollar eighty a bag. Lay's are like three thirty. Man, way better, <laughs> especially for the money. True. Quick trip mac and cheese is fire. Oh, <laughs> Nate knows all about that. Nate used to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner at Quick Trip. <laughs> well, yeah, when I was in college, on my way to class at like six o'clock at night, Quick Trip was the uh, was the uh, quick stop for supper. You um, see all the chocolate milks, right? Oops. Yeah. Quick thing here. Uh, you know, you talk about five times, but for me, a lot of times, unless I really, really believe in the guy, like extremely believe in the guy. You know, I'm happy with two times. If I spend $20 and I can sell a card for like 45 and get $20 back after fees, I'm extremely happy with that. Yeah. And then you just take that money and put it into something else, right? Um, exactly. And, uh, you know, a little story for myself. I had a Juan Soto, Bowman Chrome, sold it at the National for 300 We had a Wander Franco, Blue. Uh, blue. That was PSA 10, was it not? Bowman Chrome. I don't think so. Did we send it in? Did we send it in with like clay? I'm pretty sure that that was sent in and got a 10. Oh, well, anyways, we sold that. I don't know what we got. 300 well, bucks, I think. But I turned all that money and I bought Topps Chrome boxes. Now, my autos were atrocious. Multiple Marlins pitchers, right? That's that's atrocious. Um, But I got a number of Fernando Tatis that are sitting at PSA right now. I got a number of Eloy, even though he's injured, sitting at PSA right now. Um, Pete Alonzo, you know, Vlad, which are like $150, $160 of PSA 10. Um, and so while inevitably, I w even if those all PSA, every single one of those PSA 10s, I'm not making as much as I would if I just kept those two cards, right? Uh, you still can do you know decently well especially if you're not dumb like me and just spent it all on boxes to rip if i just taken the like 700 dollars profit i'd gotten out of cards selling at the national and bought all fernando tatis tops chrome rookies or you know stuff like that i'd be way way better but there's still avenues to make profit even if you're saying to yourself man juan soda looks really good maybe i shouldn't sell this and hold you can still do stuff with that money yeah i agree with that and I brought it up at the beginning, but one of my most notorious buys, which I still have everything, I never sold a single thing, Orlando Garcia. I'm like just getting really into Bowman Chrome Waters with Nate 2017 ish. And he was the Brewers' num number one prospect. He was number six in baseball, I think, at the time. Mm -hmm. And I just, as a fan, like you just, if you have a, a top 10 prospect, I'm sure Nate would be the same way right now. You, you got to have his cards, right? Like, you gotta have, if a Brewers prospect is in the top ten, you just gotta have his cards. I don't care about what his profile is now. At the time, I also didn't really understand his profile until I started to learn from Nate, and Nate would talk to me more about it. Like this was pre, I think pre me buying like you know all that Soto autos and all that stuff. So it wasn't in like the heyday of Bowman Chrome with Nate and I. But I bought like fifteen hundred bucks worth of Orlando Garcia autos. I bought like base between like 20 and 25. They went down to 10. I doubled down, bought like 10 more. And then I, I have like a gold refractor auto, 9.5, blue auto, 9.5, green, 9.5, like three purple, 9.5, all, all the colors except for like, you know, the red and super. I should have bought the super for 800 when it came up. But uh, I guess the point here is that uh, he actually would have made me money. Like at one point, he would have made me money. His stuff was up. I didn't sell mostly because I, I really did like the cards. I mean, I have a huge Brewers collection for anyone that has been following me for a while. I've got tons of Yelich super fractors and one of ones and Lorenzo Kane stuff and Keston Hero stuff and Corbin Burns. But um, I guess you know my point is is that sometimes you just gotta understand like when is it when is it good enough? You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just yeah. has to be good enough. It just has to be enough that you made a smart play in the time. And if I didn't do that with Forrest Whitley, because I did it right here, I sold all my Forrest Whitley when it was like 
right towards the peak, like 60 bucks a base auto, 150 a refractor. Maybe it's even 75 a, a, a base auto. I sold like all of it then. PSA 10 orange for 2000 blues for over, you know, a thousand for nine, five or something like that is a ton for a pitcher. And, uh, I don't think blues were a thousand actually that's nine, five for blue. That's too much. But either way, my point is, is that like, you know, you take the good with the bad and I called that one, right. And I sold it all. Cause I, at the time still, I was like, you know what, he'll make his debut someday and he'll probably be more valuable than he is now. Well, it did not go as injury after injury after underperformance. Exactly. Underperformance, injury, and he didn't even make his debut in the time frame you'd want a prospect to make a debut and to really garner the huge value. So I'm glad I sold. But, uh, you know, you definitely need to find some some ways to unload, I guess, at certain points if you if you are making money and stuff. And I think another thing that's good to point out, especially with like Aaron and talking prospect lists, is that not all prospects are made the same. Right. Ronald Acuna was amazing. Christian Pache comes up and people start spending outrageous prices on him because they're like, oh, Braves, international player, really good on prospect list, going to be the next Ronald Acuna, even though they're not even close to being similar players, right? Um, Pache gets nearly all his value from being elite, 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 like top of the line defensively, uh, as opposed to Acuna being, I mean, he's good. Acuna's very good, but not like Pache level. And so Aaron looking at Arcia and saying, Ooh, you know, top 10 prospect, right? You're instantly excited without, if you dive deeper, you're like, okay, this is a defensive first profile um, with a guy coming off his first and only good year hitting up to this point. Um, doesn't walk, swings at everything, managed to hit for power that year. Will that continue? The answer is no, it hasn't continued. And so he's been merely a decent, uh, defender with occasional home run power um, that still swings at everything, doesn't strike out a ton, but doesn't walk. And and so when you when you look at prospect lists, you know I know there's a hundred guys on those lists usually, unless you go to Fangraphs and they grab every fifty future value guy and list them. And um, you know if you look at it and you say, "Ooh, this guy's number six, he must be a good investment." Not always the case. Sometimes you want a guy that's good offensively, and sometimes they'll sneak guys in there. Um, like a Pache or even like a Cabrian Hayes, who it's bet credit to him really did pop off last year and has really popped off in spring training. He was a defensive first guy, um, whose bat came along. Um, it'd be like, uh, basketball would be like Matisse Thibel, right? Defensive first guy who hopefully his shooting comes along. Um, that'd be the type of guy you're investing in. And so, uh, important to know, important to know. That's all I got. Right, and let me give Nate some props on Brian Hayes because way back when we started Slap Sox articles, way, way back, like early 2019, Nate wrote signing Brian Hayes and gave the points, you know, defensive first, low floor. I'm sorry, high floor, probably lower ceiling. If you find some power, he'll be nice. Um, it didn't work out right away, did it, Nate? But no, took took two years. <laughs> hey, but see, look at that. Like, it doesn't always have to work out right away is the point, though. Now he's a top 10 prospect on MLB Top 100. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Now, now, you know, um, the one thing is is that you spend your money back then and it happens in two years, you could have spent your money wiser, bought something else and then still bought Cabrian Hayes before, you know, popped off. So that now that's another that's another um, point is that sometimes if it's your Zion silver right now, PSA 10, if you're not a believer in the card, not, I'm not talking specifically Zion silver. I'm just talking about something that goes down 20% in four months. You know, and if you bought it a little lower, even if you bought at the peak, at what point do you decide to cut bait and buy something else? So you think you can make that money out elsewhere. When's that point for you? Like Nate, like, when you lose 25%, is it when is it player specific? Like when you're like, wow, this guy really isn't showing me what I want to see. Like what, you know, like what it probably isn't percentage based because that could just be a seasonal trend and you don't want to sell it then obviously. Now this, this is going to sound like the, the, the jerkiest thing I've ever said. So bear with me. I got you, but I don't really have much experience in that. Number one, cause I don't buy as many cards as Aaron does. Number two, usually when I buy, I'm like super, 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 super certain because I don't want to be wasting my money, right? Right. So like if I'm buying uh, years ago when we bought Juan Soto, right, I was 100% certain that Juan Soto at $135 an auto was going to go up. 
um, I wasn't going to be spending, you know, unless it's like $20 on a base auto of a guy just for kicks and giggles. I don't really have a ton of experience in that. So um, I don't really have an answer for you. I don't really just want to come up with one without having experience and then accidentally sure. lead somebody falsely. Sure. 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 I'd say like for myself, now there's a lot of stuff I was never sold, even though I should have cut bait with it. That's the problem when you PC something like the Brewers. You're like, eh, why, why, why don't I want to take a 50% loss on Lander or see when I can just keep the cards? That type of thing. You know, like just keep in my collection. Like it's hard if you're a hobbyist and a real collector like I am battling that territory. It's, it's actually very, very difficult. I'm sure many of you understand that. But I will say generally like in the past when I've been, you know, kind of, trying to figure out what to do with cunning bait, I would say it'd be like, if you know that you have a better play out there, you, you sell it and you take the money, you put it elsewhere. That's like, cause like for me, it's like, I never was in the position that I could just say, ah, I can just hold it. You know, like someday it might turn around. I literally cut bait on Cody Bellinger. I, I didn't cut bait on all of my Cody Bellinger. I had red ink heritage auto nine, five, you know, and I bought it for five eighty, and at, at, I bought it for 580 bucks, which is, is critically undervalued now, obviously. And I think I sold it for 500. I took an 80 dollars loss because in like six months it didn't gain traction. Guess what he did the next season? He came out and he smoked the doors off. <laughs> he didn't win MVP that year. It was the it, you know I had the really good rookie year, the off year. Oh wait, no, he did win MVP that yeah. year, 2019. Yeah, he, he had a really good rookie year and then a like 830 OPS or something, and then his like thousand OPS. Yep, so that's what happened. I sold it right before the 2019 season. Um, I also bought, at the same time, I bought at the height of his rookie season a Bowman Chrome Base Auto 9.5 of him for like 550. Well, I held that one out. I didn't cut bait on that one. I held it out and I sold that one for like 750, which was good at the time. Making 200 bucks on a Bowman Chrome Base Auto is nice. You know, like now it's like, oh, you made 200 bucks on something like whatever. But which I don't want to undermine though. Let's keep in mind, let's all be grateful for how much money you can make on this versus back then it was very difficult very difficult you get 30 percent gain and you are pumped like you are like i'm buying dinner tonight boys well, like, when we when 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 we really started out that was like chris bryant bowman chrome yeah era. it was like 2017 that was my one that was my one big mistake was buying that that second year bowman chris bryant because i didn't understand so i guess there was an experience where i had to cut bait at some point and i think i took like a 150 dollars loss on it yep um, which would have been like, you know, losing like 40%, but it was better than ho holding it at that point and not putting the money into something else. Um, and I think I might actually put the money into paying for school. Um, so you could question if that was even a good use of funds. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but when, when we started, when we started, Chris Bryant was like the top, the top, when I when Aaron was always into cards, but when I got into talking cards with him, like there was a good long time between the age of like 10 and I don't know, 17 for me, probably where I didn't think about cards ever. Right. And um, uh, and then Aaron got into cards and then, you know, I'd think about him a little bit off and on because Aaron was in them. And then, you know, I don't know how old I was when we got into it uh, back again. But Chris Bryant was a big name. And how much was were his Bowman Chrome autos? Four hundred. So his it was like his twenty thirteen Bowman Chrome draft auto, which was not it was like not inserted into the Bowman Chrome draft set or Bowman draft set. It was actually inserted into the same set that that twenty fourteen auto that you bought was. I think I'm pretty sure it's in twenty fourteen Bowman baseball. But it's like a you know it's like a draft insert, not insert even. They just didn't put it into the real draft set. Okay. Um that that card was the hottest card at the two thousand and seventeen national. By far, that that is right after he won that MVP, and I think the Cubs won the World Series that right before that. Twenty seventeen, and you we went Check. to Chicago. Remember that we went to Chicago. Was that twenty sixteen? They won or twenty seventeen? Which what year did the Royals win? Which year did the Cubs win? I, I think remember. the Cubs won in twenty sixteen when I was a freshman in school. Okay, because we went to the National that following summer with my friend Nick, and that was right after like MVP World Series. He's like what twenty three or something. And Chris Bryant was just so hot. I don't. I would have to look up to see how much it was at the time. I wonder if it's actually cheaper than it, or if it's like 
cheaper now than it was then. That'd well, be- I mean, I mean, the point the point is is that back then the prices were not that were not that high, and you were like, if you pull, opened a box and hit one of those, you're probably sitting on like a four hundred dollar, five hundred dollar card. And nowadays, uh, you get Garrett Mitchell twenty twenty first pick in the draft base autos for two twenty five, right? And it's just crazy. It's crazy how the how the game has changed. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Chris Bryant, 9-5, 2013 draft auto, which did not have the first logo on it. I don't know. Did any of those 2013s have first? I feel like that maybe it said it like underneath the actual Bowman Chrome logo, not like the first logo, but whatever. 370 bucks as of two weeks ago. If I go back to 2017. This 9.5 was 700 bucks for a base in 2017. Now it's 370. It's actually pretty good. Pretty, pretty good price for back then, all things considered. I mean, yeah. Do you remember when Vlad, when Vlad's 9.5, I, you told me, that's another one that you told me. I keep on kind of forgetting that was one of your like, hey, Aaron, go buy that. 250 bucks for a Vlad 9.5 auto, Bowman Chrome. Then you sold it for like nine hundred, didn't you? Sold it for like nine hundred and it topped out like twelve hundred. I missed the peak sale. I sold it on the way down for nine hundred. So that's another thing you can do. You don't always have to get that peak, but you gotta know when it starts to dip a little. Maybe you sell it then because you still get huge profit, but you can still, you know, you don't get the peak sale instead of not knowing when the peak's gonna be and selling on the way up, because then you might potentially lose, you know, ground. But uh the point is is that like that's another one that Nate was like, hey, grab that, and then nine hundred dollars now for the top prospect. <laughs> People would be buying Wander Franco Auto 95s like t- seven out of seven days at that price, you know? Could, could you imagine? No. <laughs> so it's it's just kind of crazy. And also, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this just because we're we're on the discussion, I guess. But MJ PSA tens were 780k through golden auctions in January, and now they're 450. So that's right. A couple sold through golden at 490 after the buyer's premium. One sold through PWCC auctions at 450. I I did not get into this discussion on Instagram for the reason that I think that people are blowing out of proportion, and I didn't want to add to it because I, if Kevin's still in here, limestone cards, he articulated pretty well in his story posts. But the people buying those for 780 most likely were not concerned about a short term drop. They didn't buy those to flip them, and if they did, then they're not in the right market buying a seven hundred thousand dollar card trying to flip it they're just not you know that's the thing that you lock away for 10 years and you open it and you take or even a couple years you know and you look at it again like here's the next point when they went to 700k they were like 225 like a month before that so let's just pull things into perspective here that card's up 225 to 450 grand in the last like two months that's unbelievable Stuff is always going to drop from a peak price when it rises too fast. We'll talk about it always like that. You know, like when it goes up too fast, it's going to come down at some point. You just can't sustain that hype for that long. And that's why I saw someone bring up about Holland Sapphire. Like, how long can it keep on going up in price? Like, probably not that much longer right now in the short term. You know, like 5,000 might be the peak. And then we'll see it drop back down to 3,500, especially this summer when he's not playing in the Euro. So keep in mind, if you have like Holland Sapphire 10 or something like that, maybe that's the time to sell it if you bought for 2000 But with that being said, if you're long on cards, if you're long on soccer, if you're long on MJ, all that stuff, like, shoot, throw it in the safe, pull it out in two years. We would have told you that same thing about Mike Trout two years ago. You'd be very happy today. Wouldn't you, Nate? Yeah. I wish somebody had been like, Nate, just take some of that money you're going to go waste on like food and buy a Mike Trout. For kicks and giggles i think someone was like that that's true you were but i like food so i know i know all right um, well yeah i'm gonna answer this quick because you know brewer's prospect and all uh doc damage 787 what does nate think of hayden Ca- Ca- uh, cantrell for the brewers um i don't actually know if that's how you pronounce his last name that's a complete shot in the dark um he was like a louisiana raging cajun i believe um shortstop second base guy Little to no power. Probably, probably going to be a utility shortstop, second baseman in the future. Um, if you hit him in a draft or something, I would sell. 
if you're looking to buy guys, I would go Freddie Zamora first. Uh, Garrett Mitchell, obviously, first. Freddie Zamora second from the Brewers from this year's draft. Um, I don't see much of a future as a star for Hayden Cantrell. Uh, fine MLB player, maybe, but star, no. Full game, can you uh, clarify with me what the 617 is, honestly? Like, I should probably know that, but I just – that number doesn't ring a bell for me from SCI. I can look it up quick, but like 150K, that's very high for a card. So I should probably know what number 617 is. Oh, okay. It's the Mundi Chromo. I just didn't know the card number. Uh, crazy. Talking 150K or best offers posted for. I'm looking at PWCC right now. Marketplace is, uh, you know, research or the eBay prices. $107 on November 2015. Wait, get this $160 on August 2018. Listed for 150k or best offer right now. That's absurd. I know, I know. What's up, Card Hour? How's it going? All right. So let me pop over to the presentation quick and then we'll go to some QA for the last 10 or so minutes. Okay. So last week on Slap Sox Breaks, another great time on Tuesday and Friday. Tuesday, we had some soccer rips, hit some cool stuff out of uh Prism EPL, the first time we opened that, got another Sapphire Ronaldo variation, which tens of those things are selling very well. Hard to get tens, though. Lots of print lines on that Sapphire set. But uh, Finest provided two Paul Pierce rookies. Shout out to the Trash Hawks. And then uh, Vince Carter and Dirk Nowitzki rookies, which was really fun. This Friday is actually our 100th break. Thank you, everyone, for the crazy support on the breaks. I not imagine we get to 100 different breaks this fast in a, you know three months' time. But here we are. 100th break is going to be 2003 Bowman rookies and stars. We got six packs left. This is LeBron's Bowman Chrome rookie set. The Bowman Chrome cards are inserted into the Bowman set. You can hit golds, X-Fractors, and Refractors. Obviously tough hits, but hey, we did it once. Maybe we'll do it again. And uh, there's a schedule for this week. If you're wondering, we still have left two, uh, two different ones. So this one on the left, the Bundesliga 2018 Tops Chrome featuring Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, and Christian Pulisic, and Robert Lewandowski. I think five spots left in there, and then a couple packs left to 2021 Top Series 1 Baseball. Nate, I'm sorry I am opening it. The schedules, did they just didn't align. The stars didn't align. I, I have to open the baseball. So, everyone, you get to see me open baseball tomorrow for, like, maybe 30 minutes. Wait, so. how many boxes are you opening? Two. We have we got five packs left. If you hit something major, you're dead to me. What if I hit a clear Joe Adele? Don't say that. Well, actually, I'd be happy for the person that got um that got uh What's sorry going on i just here? saw his name uh <laughs> the angels but lewandowski <laughs> found that in my soccer in my random soccer box of select cards that i just keep pulling out guys that i hear their names of i'm like oh i know that guy i'll sleeve it up that's the guy i bought the auto patch of at dallas so oh, if you guys do want to hop in the last couple of breaks left for this week, they're actually breaking tomorrow on Tuesday, the Bundesliga and the baseball, the Fridays, the Bowman Rookies and Stars. That is on slabsocks.com slash shop. Now to end today's show, we will just take some Q&A for the last 10 or so minutes. So if you have a question, throw it in the chat, and we'll see if we can get to it. And uh, it can be about the, the starting presentation or it can be you know about anything else. Uh-oh. Nate? I, I actually want to know. I want to know. I want to know why. I want to know why you think that. <laughs> Try I don't think joke. anybody else in the world thinks that, but Larry Smith thinks that. So uh, let's get an explanation there, Larry. And that's going pretty far. You wouldn't buy them even if we paid you to buy them. <laughs> I mean, it's it's highly likely that Mike Trout, at the very least, ends his career as like a top 10 player. And Maldo, Nathan Maldonado, Neymar Jr. holders sell after the new contract signing. So I actually did just pick up a couple Neymar cards. I bought some in the past, like right when I did my first soccer journey. And I had a Topps Chrome Blue out of 150 of him, which I then flipped like $5 into like 55 or 75 or something. But I just bought a couple of different ones actually today. Select field level 2017 color parallels because I just really like select color. And I think that Neymar... As a player, I'm not like a huge fan, honestly. I think he's a little prima donna-ish, uh, diva-ish. But PSG signed a long-term contract there. I think that he's going to be a star with the Jordan brand and everything for years to come. And if he sways Mbappe to stay, that's going to be a killer duo, obviously, for the foreseeable future. 
Next point, playing for Brazil. I do think that Brazil is going to have a really nice starting 11. Um, I don't know all the players there, but I do know that they got some really good young players. And if next year in 2022, Neymar is the centerpiece with young players backing him up, I think that's pretty cool. Um, like I said, I did just buy a couple of Neymar cards actually today, funny enough, but that's my thoughts on it. Hey, did, I, did I send in a Neymar Select Silver? I don't think so. No, I would have known if you had that. I feel like you told me to send in a Neymar. You're like, oh, sometimes those uh No. I feel like I sent in a Select Silver of somebody because you were like, oh, sometimes those guys uh No, you send in Gareth Bale. Oh, Gareth Bell, that's right. Not even close. Will you ever get into football cards? cards? Will you ever get into football cards? Uh, Reporting-wise on Slab Socks, definitely. Uh, I'd say, like, right now, it's like, you know, we talked about last week. We picked out, like, some quarterbacks we think are good buys leading up to next season. I said Herbert. Nate said Burrow. Clearly, we talked about Kyler Murray, too. Going into the third season is a pretty big deal for quarterbacks. But in terms of, like, me being excited about them, like, not really. Honestly, the excitement level is just not there for me with it. It's such a short season. It's such a dire situation week to week. It's really, really hard to project and actually predict. Unless you buy in the offseason and sell before the season. That's the way to do it. All right, Aaron. I've got two. I've got two things I'm going to show, and then I'm going to make counterpoints to them. Are okay. you ready? Baseball players start tanking after 10 years. If a guy comes up at the age of 24 and he starts tanking after 10 years, that makes sense because he's 34. Mike Trout came up at the age of 19. You saying he's going to start tanking at 30 when he's in the middle of his prime is ridiculous. Number two, my second counter argument, Nelson Cruz. Um, And I, obviously Nelson Cruz is one of those guys that's like age defying, but it's not a guarantee that somebody's going to tank after 10 years because Nelson Cruz is 40 and just hit uh you know like 300 with like a 600 slugging last year or whatever he did with the twins um and then trout uh trout is in year 11 and has done nothing true he's played in one playoff series or even one playoff game i think uh, maybe maybe it was a series i don't remember if it was they were wild card or not um but it's not his fault that josh hamilton stunk right it's not his fault that albert pujols uh signed a historic contract and then was not Albert Pools because of various foot injuries, um, constant foot injuries. And so when you're tying up all that money to those guys and you're making kind of ridiculous signings like Justin Upton and Justin Upton's dealt with his uh, various injuries, it would have been better if they had just taken all that money, signed mid-tier guys, um, and then gotten out of those contracts after every three years instead of signing those three guys to gigantic contracts like they did. And I think you would have seen the angels in a significantly better place. And uh, along with that, the angels, um, I hate to bring it up, but they've lost multiple pitching prospects to untimely deaths. And they have also um, had guys that were really promising, like Garrett Richards get injured after injury, after injury. And so, you know, to to blame Mike Trout for his team's failure at being able to put a team around him when year in and year out he is one of the top five players in baseball, um, even in his down years, right, uh, is ridiculous to me because you can't blame baseball is a team twenty five man game every day, and at the end of the year you've probably had forty five fifty guys play for your team um, through one hundred sixty two games. And especially for the Angels, the only constant has been Mike Trout. Everyone else, injuries or uh, failure to perform up to contract. And so um, Trout has done a lot in 11 years. The only thing he hasn't done is make the playoffs, and it's not because of him not trying. And then lastly, comparing Trout to a quarterback like Mahomes is ridiculous because football, uh, we see it every single year. You have one good QB, and you can change the game. You have... In basketball, you have one really, really good player, um, except for, you know, like the Timberwolves who have Carl Anthony Towns and he still can't lead them to the playoffs. Uh, you can usually make the playoffs. In baseball, you have one good guy. He's only getting 600 of bats and he's only probably getting, you know, three, 400 attempts in the field. There's only so much he can do, especially when you bring in relievers that give up four home runs in the span of like an inning, right? Yeah. So I agree. What will be hot at the Nationals? So this is kind of our video from two weeks ago when we did like the six-month forecast looking at the National. 
I believe anything young QB is going to be hot. Young QB with promise will be hot. Um, I think anything uh, prospect basketball that dipped potentially hot that people want to stock up on, not necessarily like a, Oh, everyone's looking for it, but just like a, a good time to buy almost like, I because here's a weird thing about shows as in the Dallas show, John Morant, a little down at the time I had jaw cars still do. And people were looking at me like I had four eyes. Well, I do wear glasses. Like I had five eyes <laughs> when, when I went up to their booth, like John Morant, his stuff's down. Like, I don't want that. It's like people, you know, like, I don't get why, but if there's a car that you either like, I know it'll be up next year, but I just don't want it right now. It's like, well, don't you want it right now? And I didn't really need to get rid of it. I am happy holding it because of that same exact reason. People only want to grab stuff when it's hot, which makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to me. That's not the time to be like, you don't want to buy Jod going into the season. You want to buy him after the first four months when modern dips a bit. So I, I don't get it myself, but uh, generally the stuff that's hot, is the stuff that's going to be at the highest value proportionally at the time. And that's generally the stuff that's going to dip the closest after I feel, but um, it's, you know, there's gonna be a lot of stuff that's hot. There's going to, there's, there's going to be so many different things that people want because there's going to be so many different people. There's so many different interests. It's hard to actually pinpoint and say like one thing is going to be hot. I guarantee you that Kobe and LeBron and Jordan are going to be hot. Just like always. Okay. A couple more here. Hmm. There's a lot of like trout back and forth here. I'm having a hard time actually finding yeah. questions. <laughs> I saw this one earlier, full game highlights. What do you think of 2016 silver courtside PSA 10? Simmons has a pop of 60 and sells for 1.5K. Ingram pop 41, sells for 1.2K. Camrash sells for 1,000. JJJ sells for 2,000. Seems crazy. That's because it is crazy because so many people like to bet on what can be versus what is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good idea if you're buying off of what is, given that you still think it's going to be big in the next three. Like, you don't want to buy a guy that's just like at their peak now that people don't care about. Cause you know, like at that point, they're just not going to care about when they're on the way down. So, you know, if you think that Simmons is going to develop into one of the best players in the NBA, definitely a buy. If you think Ingram's going to lead that team, hopefully with Zion, or Zion's going to lead the team with Ingram being that, you know, three point shooter or whatever, uh, you know, might be a good snag too. By the way, I think that Zion is going to be one of the best of all time if he stays healthy. The man, come on, 6'6", you're shooting 85%. I don't care how many shots you have in the lane. If you're 6'6", and you're shooting 85% on 39 points, that is just unheard of. And he's one, he's one of the best finishers I've ever seen in my entire life. I swear. That man has got the most insane finishing ability I've ever seen. I would agree. And you, like I would literally put him up there with Jordan and LeBron in terms of finishing at the rim. And I'm not like you see him get hit and still flip it up and in. It's ridiculous. Some of what he does makes no sense because you're in your head, you're like, yeah, he's six six. And then he just goes and bodies a guy like Steven Adams and goes up yes. and just like what? Yes. His and here's the other thing. I was talking with my good friend Brock today. Zion's efficiency, I think proportionally helps his team more than a guy like Luca. I might I might be out of line here. The amount of possessions of value that they get down the court with Zion could be higher than Luca. It probably is. If you're scoring that much, if you're not making as many mistakes as Luca, like you're you're just going to help out your team more in my opinion. And I think that the Pelicans are so bad outside of Zion. If he had a team around him, They'd for sure be in the. Are you playoff. telling me Eric Bledsoe's bad, dude? I'm telling you that he's awful. But he's shooting a career high in like three point percentage, <laughs> which is probably still awful. No, it's good. He's he's actually shooting well. Oh really? Oh. Yeah. Either, my point still remains. I think that Zion's efficiency is unreal. I think that he's unreal finisher. He, I know that Giannis kind of fell into the thing now where people are like, oh, he's got to get a jump shot, otherwise he can't get any further type of thing, you know. I don't know if Zion needs even a three point shot ever with how good he is. I mean, I mean, you'll you you'll see as, P, as time goes along and people start to f- maybe figure him out. Maybe he does. But, like, at this point, just like, man, just go at the rim and you'll be the highest in the paint score of all time. He already is leading the NBA in the, in the point scoring right now. Yeah. Look at look at Giannis, obviously taller, um, but not heavier, but taller. Everyone knows what he's going to do. Um, he'll, he'll jack up a mid-range shot every once in a while and a, and a uh, 
a three pointer uh, occasionally and miss airball ninety five percent of the time. Um, but for years, everyone knows what Giannis is going to do. He's going to try to get to the rim. He still puts up twenty plus points every single game, right? Even though you know it's coming, the higher you know, the... you know it's coming with Zion, he's still going to put up his stats. And Giannis still puts up the the most games thirty fifteen and five. You know, yeah. like that that that's not bad. And then here's the other thing is that I I think this year, um, you know, I wish that YouTube TV wasn't atrocious with the Fox dealing, especially because Nate, I'm sad that I can't really see the Cubs Brewers Cubs opener. We are going to have to find new means of watching the Brewers. I know. Well, my point is, is that watching Giannis just seems more poised this year. You know, like in the post, very poised. Seems like that he knows what he's doing and he got some actual coaching with it too. And obviously, we talk about this every week now, but Bucks kind of adjusted the play style. And I think it's suiting Giannis super well. We'll see. I don't. I don't take anything. I take literally nothing uh, out of this regular season i could care less if they were 500 yeah i just want them to make the playoffs and see what they can do if we don't make if we don't win nothing matters hey i i i agree i do agree with that because i had someone ask me you know like oh have they figured it out or something like that i'm like i can't i won't be able to say anything until i see them in the playoffs you know they got they got to get to the they they literally have to win the east one one of these years to actually like make it and i'm not winning the finals obviously the ultimate goal, but just getting out of the East. It's so important. You just can't keep on falling short in your conference. Yeah. I I will say this. I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but if we don't win with Giannis, I don't think I will ever see, because look, we had Lou Alcindor in the seventies. They won a championship 72 and then he got traded away in what? 73, 74. What was that? Like three years after you're born? It's funny. (laughs) Kidding. Classic. And so, um, you know, 50 years later, if it's 73, um, well, 40 years later is 2013, right? Uh, 40 years later, Giannis comes around. So if I have to wait 40 years for the Bucks to have a transcendent talent, I'm going to be ancient by the time the Bucks get somebody as good as Giannis again. So if we don't win with Giannis, I don't think we are ever going to see a championship in Milwaukee. Well, first off, I hope I don't die when I'm 62. Second, I, I <laughs> secondly, I also hope that we win with Giannis because, man, it'd be really hard to have a back-to-back MVP and not even get to the finals once. That'd be really tough to swallow. Imagine, you know, it'd be worse if you had I don't know Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. Don't win. I know. Hey, man, they at least they made it to the finals and lost to LeBron. You know it's going to be even worse? Having what? Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Blake Griffin. And losing and the honest. Also not winning. I saw somebody say the other day that uh, LeBron is like Thanos and the Nets are like the Avengers trying to get everything they can to stop a 36-year-old LeBron. <laughs> Pretty true. Very true. true. Man, if we if we eliminate the Nets from the playoffs, that would feel like an NBA championship win in itself. Now the job's not done, but that'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh speaking of Nuggets, Nuggets winning this year. I am very uh did you watch Aaron Gordon with the Nuggets last night? I heard all? he played really well. Yeah, it's pretty it's it's pretty fun. So uh it's interesting to you know, because you kind of forget about a guy like Aaron Gordon, because who watches who watches the magic? No one, man. Nobody watches the magic. Um, and then you had uh, Vucevic coming in and kind of taking the shine off of him. And so I'm like, yeah, Vucevic is really good. Aaron Gordon washed up because I'm not paying attention. You get him to a good team and reinvigorated and healthy. Should be fun. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Does that wrap it up for today, Nate? Perfect. Sounds good to me. Let's wrap it up, everyone. Have an enjoyable rest of your Monday evening. Come back next week, Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern time for more discussion on the sports car market and all things like that. I think it's another good talk today. I kind of enjoy, you know, y'all talking to the chat about our topic and then just going with whatever. It's been a fun time. And uh, even the Mike Trout harassment. <laughs> Man, sometimes 
not necessarily that he's a troll, but sometimes you get those people that just like to say stuff to create some controversy, which, you know, that, that's what that's what works. So that's why Skip Bayless is famous. So that's true. <laughs> that's true. And Skip, ba oh, Skip, I can't believe you just brought up Skip Bayless's name on our show. Just saying. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you for watching. And we will see you all in the next episode. And if you all want to watch this back, you can right after the show in case you miss anything. Thank you all. And we will see you all next week. See you guys.